horror writer Sutter Kane, a harmless pop phenomenon or a deadly mad prophet of the printed page? Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm a sleepy seashell. Yep. Well, that's sort of an inside joke. But also, um, this is the podcast where myself, a horror expert, shows a horror novice, which is you, um, you know, horror movies. This is the... It's it's late. That's it's what, an it's exercise gonna be, it's in gonna torture. Be, this is a very special episode. Very special. Um, for the record, I am not a sleepy seashell. I am just a sleepy person whose name is Sergio. Yeah. Um, Should we let them in on the inside joke? No. Okay. Full disclosure, um, Sergio was asleep during this movie, also as in The Fog, um, because we're watching this at a really weird time because we're our schedules are super crazy in October and midterms are coming up mm-hmm. for you. For I. Yes. So it's going to be a rough time, and I apologize. Um, but that's how this is going. This is week three of John Carpenter month. We're reviewing in the mouth of madness, his 1993, 94, one of them, one of those happened, 94, hmm. uh, movie. But first let's do some 10 word reviews of movies we watched in the past week. All right. So I'm going to start us off. Gerald's game, cheap and disturbing. Gerald's game is a rare Netflix miss. Oh, okay. I thought you liked it. Okay. I guess I was wrong. Okay, not enough to watch it again. I recommend it to anybody. Okay. And I actually did not see it, so I watched It Conquered the World, which is a 50s sci-fi movie. Surprisingly good for a talky B picture. Surprise, or twist ending, it was my ego. Your ego conquered the world? It certainly did. I was, in my review of It Conquered the World, coming in like two, well, no, it's actually going to be out around the time this podcast comes out. I did mention that the title is not meant to describe the box office of September 2017. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. All right, so my next movie is Little Children. Patrick Wilson provides two glorious reasons to experience this movie. Yeah, his acting and Jennifer Connelly. Exactly. Um, my he review brought those to the table. My review of Little Children is fun, humanizing, edgy suburban story. More swimming Patrick Wilson, please. He didn't swim that much. I don't think he ever swam. He did. He came out of the pool and he was all That's sexy. not swimming. That's like well, emerging from the water, that being counts. reborn. Yeah, exactly. He was baptized as a new man. Yes, he was. In our eyes. Anyway, um, we're doing In the Mouth of Madness. So here's the plot of that movie, whose title I just said. When horror novelist Sutter Kane, played by Jurgen Prochnow, <laughs> mm. goes missing, Insurance investigator John Trent, Sam Neill, scrutinizes the claim made by his publisher, Jackson Harglow. These names are great. And They're that, very extra. Yeah, Harglow is played by Charlton Heston and endeavors to retrieve a yet-to-be-released manuscript to ascertain the writer's whereabouts. Accompanied by the novelist's editor, Linda Stiles, played by Julie Carmen, and disturbed by nightmares from reading Kane's other novels, Trent makes an eerie nighttime trek to his supernatural town in New Hampshire. So, basically, Sutter Kane is Stephen King by way of H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, because his stories are very Lovecraftian. But um, 
he's very much based on Stephen King. He's like a pulp novelist who's so popular and he sells more copies than the Bible or whatever. Yeah, I thought for a hot second it was like based on a Stephen King novel. Yeah, and I thought it was based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, and it is neither. It's an original story that kind of like compounds the two into one super spooky author mm-hmm. man. Um, Do you know the origins of this movie? Because it seems kind of really out of John Carpenter's regular wheelhouse. Yeah, uh, honestly, I don't. Um, I was reading up on some of the trivia. I think it's just a movie that happened, you know? All right. Um, I think there are certain aspects of it that are within his wheelhouse. Like... Um, the whole idea of like being able to see the world in a new way mm-hmm. came out of they live and also um like the big rubbery monster effects he used to great effect in the thing mm-hmm. so a couple of the things were kind of precedented before but yeah this type of story was very frankly west craveny mm-hmm. <laughs> this was john carpenter's new nightmare <laughs> like a very meta thing first of all we're spoiling this movie Mm-hmm. Second of all, so the novel In the Mouth of Madness is the movie. Yes. And the novel in the movie is called In the Mouth of Madness. The novel being written over the course of the movie, mm-hmm. which Sam Neill is a character in. Yeah. Um, and then that novel gets made into a movie called In the Mouth of Madness. And you see the poster of that movie, and it says it was directed by John Carpenter on that poster. So you understand my confusion throughout this entire process. Yes. No, but it really is John Carpenter's new nightmare. Like, that's just what it is. And they came out in the same year. I can't believe nobody noticed that. I'm sure somebody did. I'm sure somebody did. Well, I think it speaks to the quality of the film that one of those two movies is considered something of a classic or a new classic. Um, and the other is just faded into obscurity. Um, honestly, I don't know which one you're talking about in this joke. I feel like the Wes Craven's New Nightmare is a new classic. I would agree with that. I'm not sure a lot of people would, but I'm happy to hear you say that. Oh, well, you know, you have one more fan. You've converted one more <laughs> to the church Good. of Wes. Anyway, um, as always, we rate our movies out of five on scariness, campiness, FX, and overall quality. And Brennan, I want to hear your score. Actually, no, let me go first. Yeah, because um, you have almost nothing to contribute to this I movie. I realized that as I, as I, as I was introducing you. Um, I gave it a two for two reasons. Okay. One, I was told it was scary. <laughs> two... <laughs> Um, it had some gross-looking monsters in there. Mm-hmm. I love me some gross-looking monsters, and that's uh, pretty much it. Okay, and I gave it a three because I watched the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Three out of five screams. Um, it. I'm honestly not a huge fan of movies that play with the like, what is reality angle? Like, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Um, when they're meta like this, I mm-hmm. enjoy it more. Like New Nightmare, I think is incredible because mm-hmm. that's a meta movie. Mm-hmm. And like the Nightmare, like Elm the Final Street, Girls, and yeah, no, like the Nightmare on Elm Street's kind of play with dream versus reality, but it's all fictional, I uh-huh. guess. Um, but I, I hate a movie that's like, is this real or is he actually going crazy? Because I'm like, look, I don't care. It's all fake. It's mm-hmm. a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I've never been super interested in that, and those parts aren't super scary to me. I'm not like, oh, is Sam Neill losing his mind? I'm like, oh, Sam Neill was scripted to say these things. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if it's one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but the imagery in this movie I found very compelling. It was um, like a Terrence Malick movie, you know? I completely disagree with that. Well, Terrence Malick also plays with like imagery and like what is real and what is what is the meaning of life. Yeah, all directors play with imagery, though. Okay. I think Terrence does it better, though. I think this is very much in his wheelhouse. 
what the hell are you hate Terrence Malick? I do, and I also disliked this movie. How do you even know you disliked it? I saw enough of it to know. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> whatever. Um, there was some cool imagery. Like, there's a part where like the lady Styles, who is like, her character is a mystery. Um, we're which intru- one are we talking about? The one on the bike or the main woman? The main woman. Oh, okay. Um, because we're introduced to her. She. Oh. Yeah, basically, she walks into Charlton Heston's office when Sam Neill's in a meeting with him, and she asks Sam Neill, like, oh, you're not a reader, huh? And he turns around, and he gives her the dirtiest look, and we're like, wait, is he mad? We were holding on this look for a long time, Mm -hmm. and then we're like, oh, is she supposed to be sexy? Mm -hmm. Because she is nothing. Yeah. She's the blandest human being to ever bland, and that whole scene, she's like, pulling her hair out of a ponytail and like putting a pencil between her lips or whatever. Yeah. It's like, she's playing with her glasses. Super sexy. She's like a Judy Greer in Arrested Development. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's totally right. Yeah. Um, it's just very confusing and I'm not shaming this woman, but just the way they have dressed and styled her is very bizarre. It seemed intentionally bad. Yeah. It was just a, it was a strange choice in general. And then she becomes like, the second lead of the movie and it's like where did this come from Mm -hmm. and it's just bizarre anyway she gets like seduced by the writer who she finds and also i'll talk about that in a minute but um she's like stroking the back of his head and he's just got like a big old demon sticking out of the back of his head Mm -hmm. like voldemort style Mm -hmm. which i thought was pretty cool um oh man my favorite sequence is when they show up at this town called hobbs end which is basically castle rock the fictional stephen king town but instead, it's New Hampshire instead of Maine. Ooh. Mm. Um, and it's basically Children of the Corn also because they're driving down, like, cornfields in New Hampshire, which I'm not certain are a thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know if New Hampshire's climate is suitable for corn. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. But anyway, so through this mysterious, spooky, like, tunnel of mysteries or something, they find Hobbs End, which is this spooky, empty town that is pretty much fully stocked with children running around and not a lot of adults. Is that it is Children of the Corn. What? Yeah, is that the one where the kids are just dancing around in the middle of the night? Children of the Corn? No, in this movie, Hobbs End, there was a scene where people were just dancing around in the middle of the night, like going in circles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was them. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, so Hobbs End is this uh, spooky, empty town, and they go into this hotel, and the, the first person, like, living person they meet is this old lady proprietor of the hotel. She's a gem. Oh, she's great. She reminds me of Lynn Shay, but Lynn Shay was not that age when that movie came out, so it was not her. Um, so she's all, like, kind of, she's nice, but it's, she's just eerie because the town is eerie. It's very mm-hmm. Twin Peaksy too. Although, you know what? This came out before Twin Peaks, I believe. I might be wrong. Maybe it inspired Twin Peaks. Maybe it did. And didn't Twin, Pe- uh, Twin Peaks come out in the early 90s? I don't remember if it was before or after 94. Might have been 93. Maybe it was 92. Okay. Doesn't matter. What do I know? I don't. I haven't seen the new one or the old one. <laughs> um, anyway, so there's this old lady proprietor lady, and um, him and Styles go out to check some stuff out, and they have an argument and all this stuff, and then he goes down and talks to the old lady, and she's a bit real spooky at this point, and she, like kick something underneath the desk and we're like is that a dog is that like a child what's down there and then he gets distracted and he runs out to go do some spooky stuff i guess and we just see like she looks down beneath the desk and she says hush 
and it pans down and you just see this naked old man handcuffed to her ankle which is her husband and oh that was really cool Mm -hmm. um had nothing to do with anything Um, that sounds very twin peakish just just like out of nowhere super creepy stuff yeah i mean i was into that i like the weird imagery that was going on and the idea is as much as this story is frankly a little bit incoherent because it's supposed to be a tale of a broken mind who's not sure what's real. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow, I totally lost my train of thought. I'm talking about scariness. Oh, no, no. I wanted <laughs> to say in the real world, supposedly this book is driving people mad and turning people into like crazy like homicidal maniacs mm-hmm. that kill people with axes. I guess um, you get a free axe with every copy of the book or something because I don't know where <laughs> people are getting these axes because they're huge too. Uh-huh. And they were just in the city. Yeah, and all of a sudden you see people reading this book and then the next thing you know they have an axe. And they out have of like nowhere. double eyeball pupils. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Um, also good imagery. I love the imagery is really cool. That's what I'm giving pretty much all the points for for this movie. Um, but anyway that idea of a book driving people mad um it reminds me of a lot of other things that i like a lot it reminds me of i madman which is the first movie we ever reviewed on this podcast um which is about a woman getting engrossed in a book that kind of inflects into her reality Mm -hmm. and it also reminds me of a kid's book i read called the mysterious matter of i am fine which is basically it's supposed to be rl stein you know it's Mm -hmm. like about these two kids investigating a goosebumps type series that has like an increasing effect on the children who read them. Mm -hmm. It's like at first they become obsessed with gummy worms and it's like harmless, but then they all get like a headache after reading the next one. Then the next one, they all see a bunch of ghosts and it's like, these books are influencing the kids. And I was into that idea. It was not as much, it's not as present as I was hoping it would be. It's very much a background element. A la like uh, the, uh, the background devastation in the original Mad Max, it's like it's there, but they didn't really have the budget to show it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, just really cool. I enjoyed that uh, idea. Obviously, you, in the middle of the movie, you're like, well, in the, people make fun of The Ring for having a haunted videotape or whatever, but mm-hmm. you thought the haunted book idea was a little preposterous. It just seems silly. I mean, it's not haunted, but you were not into it. Like it's a cursed book, sort of, right? The writing itself yeah. is cursed. The writing, basically, the idea is that um, reality is however humanity shapes it, mm-hmm. and the fact that these books are selling better than um, the Bible means that it's the new religion, mm-hmm. and people believing it him believing in it give him power, like Tinkerbell. Mm-hmm. So basically he has become a god mm-hmm. because he has replaced Jesus in the publishing world essentially mm-hmm. and he so he's channeling these old god powers. It's it's a whole thing. Um but basically I know this isn't true because if it was we'd all be living in Hogwarts right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is not how it works. Where's my wand? I know I'm very, I'm devastated. We got to buy more Harry Potter books. <laughs> um but anyway, what's your campiness score for? <laughs> <laughs> what a transition that was. <laughs> um, my campaign sc- I gave this one three. Okay, I gave it two. Why'd you give it three? It had ugly monsters. Is that campy? It's very campy. Okay. Those ugly, like, unbelievable monsters. Oh, I forget you like your movies to be real. Yes, I do. Like, But Sutter Kane made it real. 
No, okay, no, we're not getting into this this <laughs> conversation again. Reality is how you imagine. But like, there's just tentacles everywhere, and then like the woman. Don't you remember when she like went did a backflip or whatever? Oh, that was super cool. She like spider walked around like a big spider. It was like a crab, wasn't it? I mean, she was like, I guess so. She was like flipped upside down, but her uh, head was right side up. And all you ever heard was just like incessant crackling of like her ribs. It was so cool. It was not. It was disturbing. It was campy though. Okay. And something else. What did I put? Oh, I called it an exercise in creative nonsense. Okay. I can I can get behind that, honestly, because the imagery was what propelled me through this movie. Um, the plot was pretty cool, but the imagery most of all mm-hmm. was just like, ooh, spooky, Lovecrafty, and whatnot. Um, for campiness, I don't know. There are definitely some campy moments. There was one Sam Neill line reading that my mom was walking by in the room, and she chuckled at it because it mm-hmm. was a little silly. Um, but also let's see what happened. There was another secretary with preposterous hair. Um, she was, well, no, I, that's, I guess sexist of me to say, cause styles was not a secretary. She was the editor of Sutter Kane's novel. Mm-hmm. Although that was not made clear to me immediately. <laughs> um, the, you have to check your privilege at the door here, Brennan. No, I, I, you're I, an I, inclusive cast. Yeah, no, I don't want to be wrong. First of all, and I don't want to assume that all women in offices are secretaries because they're not. The way Charlton Heston treated her was as if she was a secretary. Mm-hmm. But then he apparently forgot she ever existed. So there's a whole thing there. Um, but anyway, there was the actual secretary at the office. Her hair was like this enormous red beehive with one bang just like slashing out across her forehead. I feel like I missed this. No, you you commented on it when did we I really? watched it. Yeah. What did I say? That it was dumb hair. Okay. Sounds like me. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, what else happened? Yeah. I mean, the reveal of what Sutter Kane looks like, this big mysterious figure, is just like a dude with a man perm. So I was underwhelmed by his appearance. Yes. I was expecting it to be the weird old dude with like the flowing locks before him. Yeah, he you imagine him to be more of like a John Carpenter type, but he's more of like a like a William Cat, the greatest American hero. Who the hell's William Cat? He was the greatest American hero. What is this? What is this? It's, it's a TV show. Okay, first of all, Paul Bunyan was the greatest American hero. That makes no sense. He, he saved no one from no one. He, he chopped down some trees. He had a blue ox, okay? He killed trees. Do you have a blue ox, Brennan? No. Um, no, the greatest American hero was a TV show. It's like, believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Was Fly this really a thing? On a wing and a pr- yeah, yeah, it was real. Oh, did you watch this? No, nobody did. That's a lie. People oh. did. Okay. What year was this? The 80s. Oh, okay. You, don't worry about it. It was before your time. All right, I'm still surprised I don't know this thing. It's a good song. I pride myself on like knowing the strangest things. Like, you know, and a that's guy, the real girl, stranger things. A guy and a girl in a pizza place, you know, Dharma and Greg, Blossom. Yeah, well, that's still 90s into that. That was still, like, during your lifespan. Doogie Howser. Again, 90s. That's those 80s. Was it? It was 80s. Okay. See, some stuff. Okay, sure. Good for you. I'm so proud. Anyway, uh, what's your effects Night Rider. Uh, My effects Out of five four? tentacles. Um, four. Really? Too much good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Someone calling Tungus the AMPM <laughs> mascot. Um... This whole podcast is pretty much an exercise in inside jokes between yeah, you and me. 
we're we're a little out of it, and I apologize. If you want anything explained that we have said over the course of this podcast, just shoot, shoot us an email. Yeah, at scream101podcast at gmail.com. If you're from New Hampshire and want to confirm or deny that you have cornfields, yeah, let, please let us, me know. Shoot us an email. We are tech avail to respond. <laughs> and honestly, if you want to send us corn also as proof, I will get a P.O. box for you to send that corn to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I gave it three out of five. It's not the thing, but because that that movie had incredible effects, but the effects are done by Greg Nicotero and his team, and they're very good. They're in charge of The Walking Dead now. They've done a lot of the best horror stuff of the last couple decades. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's a cool scene where Sutter Kane like rips off part of his own face as if it's part of like a page of a book, and then he like opens. Okay, his I like that. Yeah, that was super cool. Um, so what 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 did you like most and least out of the effects in this movie? Um, I liked the ripping thing that you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, least. I think I mentioned the right, little lady walking backwards, but just you didn't like that. No, that was so cool. It was like that scene that got cut out of The Exorcist. That's okay. The Exorcist scene was perfect perfectly done it was creepy but it still seemed like this girl was doing this thing okay you could totally tell that whatever it was it seemed like terrible copy and paste it seemed like her head was floating like it was inappropriately attached or photoshopped to whatever it was that was there i liked it she flipped upside down again it was cool what would you say was the best and worst um the best is the page probably the worst is probably like this weird old lady mask on this person who's like driving a bi- or riding a bike down the street. Mm-hmm. It looks like the hag mask from Curtains more than like a real person. It looked like a mask, so I thought that was kind of silly. Okay. Um. But yeah. So, what is your quality score? Um. This is real. I gave it. It's like guess what? Guess what? I gave it. Whatever it is, it won't be fair to the movie. Um, cause you didn't try to, to guess it. what would be the most fair score on a one to five, uh, uh five. I, that would be fair. Did you give it a two? No. Did you give it a one? No. You have a three. Yes. It's right in the middle. Oh, great. It's inoffensive because I have no opinion of this oh, movie. Oh, okay. You, you don't seem to like it that much. Um, the parts that you saw. <laughs> I just like the extraness of it. See, that's what I like in horror movies, though, is stuff that just goes beyond the limits of what horror movies have done before. Listen, the last two movies that I saw by him were very um, muted. Uh, they uh-huh. were very, I guess, sort of minimal, even, you could say. Cause yeah, and that, that's generally his style, too. This one was all over the place. You're right. Again, an exercise in creative nonsense. Emphasis on nonsense. <laughs> um, so that's why I just like this one more than, say, uh, Christine or The, the Fog. Fog. Okay, um, I can totally understand that, um, and my rating. Uh, Even a five, didn't you? No, no way. I didn't love this movie because it is a thing that I kind of inherently don't like. Um, but it overcame that with some cool imagery and like a generally fun story. I don't think it um delivered on a lot of what it promised to me or what I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. um from the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I enjoyed it. Like, I wish I could have seen the more apocalyptic, like, people going crazy because of this book. Um, But that's probably unfair to the story being told because that's not the story that was happening. Uh Question. Yes. Do you think Sam Neill was an effective lead? 
I almost never think Sam Neill's an effective lead. Like I, I loved him in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I, man. Show me the water thing. No, that was that was the other guy, wasn't it? What water? Oh, the 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 gu- the cup of water? Uh-huh. Well, no, the, he like did a thing with the water and it flows back. Oh, I'm not sure. Um honest that that's a, a a poor statement to make, but I do think he's the one of the weaker links of the Jurassic I d- Park I, cast. Oh, well, no, I don't agree with you there, but I agree that he is the weaker link here in this movie. Okay. Um I disagree cuz I think Styles is not a great actress. Um no, that that that's probably not the right thing to say. I loved Sam Neill in Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, but I hate Jeff Goldblum so much. And Sam Neill's performance was the one in Jurassic Park where I was like, all right, I can take or leave it. It's just kind of average. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen some of his crazier work like Possession, which I really want to. Um, but we'll get to that eventually. Did you see him in the tutors? No. I did. So where he tutors students in math? No, I think that's where he like helps Henry VIII. With math? Set up Protestantism? That sounds fun. Set up the Church of England, whatever it's called. Yeah, sure. Um, You know more about history, Brennan. Yeah. So I'm correct? The Church of England is what he created. There you go. I just didn't want to talk about it. Okay. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I'm really on the fence about what to give this movie, but I'm going to give it a four, (gasps) but kind of like a weak compromised four. But I did enjoy it at a four level. And I also enjoyed it more than you did, and you gave it a three, so that helped me decide. Again, that three really is, like, it's inoffensive in my opinion. Uh-huh. It's not strong, like, go see this. It's not one that I hated it. It is a movie that I did not get to see all of it and cannot give an honest opinion of, so it's lying squarely in the okay. middle. Um, honestly, this is probably my second favorite John Carpenter movie. After Christine? <laughs> no, after They Live. Oh, it's going to be after The Thing. Oh, shoot, I forgot about The Thing. Third favorite. <laughs> the Thing is probably his best. It's probably his masterpiece. His magnus opus. Uh-huh. And then there's They Live and there's Halloween. Um, I'm obligated to like Halloween as a slasher fan, but, like, it's not my favorite thing ever. Um, <gasps> the little... I know Matt's going to be so mad. He's turning this off already. Well, no, it's just the little um, art pop figurine behind you is crying. Is it? Yeah. What is it? It's, oh, it's Michael Myers. It's Michael Myers. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying like... Uh, Funko Pops? Yes. Okay. No, Halloween is a great movie, um, but it's just not one that I personally respond to as much as I would want to. What? It's a tiny violin playing. Oh, sorry. Michael Myers. No, whatever. I like the Halloween franchise. I, it's just my least favorite of the three big franchises. Okay. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to see the new one with maybe Judy Greer in it. That I'm ready for her. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, she's so good. I hope she I don't know what the hell they're going to make her do cuz she's a she's a comedic lady. Like No, no, but um remember her final scene in The Descendants in the hospital room where she's crying and yeah. like making us tear up. That scene is flat out incredible. She's so good in that. She is really good in that. But, I mean, fine. Anyway, sorry. We got super distracted. Like I said, this is going to be, is it was going to be and is a weird I episode. I feel like the weirdness of the movie really seeped into the podcast. Yeah. And the, this podcast itself is. It will drive men mad. 
well, maybe it'll certainly drive certain people mad. Um, but uh, no, I think this is an exercise in creative nonsense. You know, great. I'm glad you wrote that one line and are very proud of it. I'm very proud of it. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, you should be. But like, it's over. Fine. Stop trying to make it happen, <laughs> Brennan. I just I have to come up with a with a catchphrase. Okay, and that's gonna be right. mine. Okay, cool. I'm into it. Um, well, I'm gonna tell you what we're watching next week. But first, here's how you can contact us if you want to dispute any of the pretty <laughs> damning statements I've made in this podcast. <laughs> Um, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Please find us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review us. Uh, you don't have to give us five stars. I won't ask that of this like weird, bleary episode. <laughs> um, I I think it was entertaining, but it might only be entertaining in the moment when I'm still feeling this way. <laughs> um, but yeah, next week, we're going to be watching John Carpenter's 1993 film, Body Bags which is actually an anthology movie. So he didn't direct like 100% of it. He directed one to two thirds of it. I'm not totally sure what happened because he's credited. Toby Hooper is credited. So RIP, we can do another tribute to him. And also like <laughs> some, some third guy is credited, but on IMDb, but he was uncredited in the movie and I have to do some research into it before I like, we'll have this sorted out for you. We'll have a five paragraph essay, thesis statement and all. Uh huh. No, I'm just excited for this one because not only did Toby Hooper direct part of it, Wes Craven and Sam Raimi act in the movie, which is awesome. I'm into that. I want to see it. You can point them out to me. I will. I mean, honestly, I don't think I know what Sam Raimi looks like, but Wes Craven all day. Point, point, point. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry if you are still listening to this at the end. It's been wet and wild. But we really appreciate it. And until next week with Body Bags, good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. And please don't be mad at me for sleeping. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Adios. Vaya con Dios. Vaya con Dios. Someone has to stop this. Bye. Bye. Put an end to this. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there! Buckets of blood and human excrement? Pour upon me! Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see them. And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! Then you should check out the Gore Gab Podcast, hosted by yours truly, and DJ Gill. You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gorgab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.